0: You are listening to audio from a trainings class by CBC Savannah. This is on our specs, our core values. If you would like to find out more about the various training opportunities that we offer, please visit the trainings page at cbcsavannah.com.
1: of start there because when I say that we want these seminars, and if you haven't figured out yet, the last one we did was on scripture. This one is on prayer. What's the next one going to be on? Engage. Engage, right? Living lives, uh, loving our neighbor. How do we do that? So we're going to do one a month. We're going to work through these core values. Again, the things that we think are essential to what it means to follow Jesus. And so when I say that we want them to be helpful, what we mean is that we want you to grow in these areas. We want to be helpful in, in Helping you, equipping you, grow in these areas, but I don't mean that these five things are helpful for you. That's confusing. Let me clarify. What what I mean is, it's not helpful for you to live a life of Bible reading, right? It's essential. There's a difference there. To being a Christian, it's not. It's not. Hey, it's going to go better for you in following Jesus if you read your Bible. That's not what we're saying. It's essential. Same thing with prayer. It's not helpful to live a life devoted to prayer. It is essential. Same thing with engaging and community and stewardship. These are essential things of what it means to follow Jesus. And so we've structured these seminars in such a way to help you grow in what is essential. And I clarify that because there are ways that we could structure this to give you more information, right? We could create a better learning environment, so to speak. I could honestly just curate a whole bunch of great resources and email them to you if we wanted just for you to learn. But what we want to is as a, as a portion of the body of Christ called Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia, we want to just take an afternoon and just, and just lean in together that we might grow and become people of, of prayer. And so that being said, here are um, kind of our four primary questions that we're going to try to answer today as we think about how do we learn to pray Um, and and they're very simple, right? Nothing profound here. We're just going to answer the question, what is prayer? Um, Why don't we pray? Why should we pray? And then we'll take a little break, and with that foundation laid, we're going to jump in on kind of the practical, the how. How should we be praying? So before we dive in, I really just want to um, just pray and just ask the Lord for his help, and I'd ask that you would pray with me um, as we do that. So let's go before the Lord. Father, we are thankful for the opportunity that we've been given this afternoon. I'm grateful for this group of people, the men and women and children who are in the room, and just ask God that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you help us. Man, as we are willing to give an afternoon, and many of us trying to shake off the grogginess of Sunday afternoon, whether we were taking a nap or trying to get some tasks done before a new week starts, would you allow this time to be the most beneficial for us, to be the most fruitful? And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, first question, what is prayer? Here's how we're going to do this. Again, interactive, right? We want to learn and grow together, but we also want to ask the Holy Spirit of God to help us. So what is prayer? Not a trick question. What is it? Talking to God. God. Perfect. Keep going. What do you think? Talking and listening to God; these are all good. Anything else? It's pretty good. Yeah. Here's what the simplest def- definition I come up with: communication or conversation with God. It's just talking with God. Okay. So this is what prayer is. And so we're we're thinking about this idea. What happens? Um, and you guys didn't do this, which I'm grateful for. But what happens a lot of times when we think about these spiritual things or these, these which we naturally, we separate our lives from kind of the things we do that are associated around God, church, Bible reading, prayer, sharing our faith, whatever. We separate that from the rest of our lives. And really, if you read the scriptures, what you want to see is how do we close that gap, that those two things would be one, that everything we do, everything we say, as Bill said this morning, everything you do, whether you eat or drink, would do all of it to the glory of God. So we want to close that gap and so when we try to think about prayer, this this conversation, it's this communication with God. So let's remove it from this idea of talking to God and just think about this idea of a conversation. So what is a conversation? At least two people, right? could be a small group of people, but it's at least a couple of folks, right? You're, you're talking things out, right? Communication is exchange of ideas. Anything else? Listening. I think about time spent together. Done. Clicker. No more. All right. Um, Yeah, so this conversation, here's a definition for us. It should be on the screen, but, but this is what we got. Definition, it's a talk, okay, especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. So it's just spending time with one or more persons talking with them. And and so if we bring those ideas back into the space about prayer, if we've defined a conversation as articulating your thoughts and your feelings and listening to someone else's thoughts and feelings, this is what prayer is. It is a conversation with God. It's the time and space where we are intentionally listening to God and, and articulating our thoughts and articulating our feelings to him, the intentional space where we talk and listen to him, where we're just with him. It's just prayer, just spending time with God. And this is, oh, great. Um, here, here's a great quote. Tim Keller, a pastor in New York City, he wrote a book on prayer. I'm actually going to recommend it to you at the end. I have some recommended resources. This is a great one. Um, he says this about prayer. Prayer is a personal, communicative response to the knowledge of God. Let's stop there. So this is, this is in, distinct to what he's saying. It's a personal, communicative, so we're talking back and forth, exchanging ideas, articulating. But he says response, Right? A personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. He goes on to say, prayer is continuing a conversation that God has already started. How? Through his word and by his grace, which eventually becomes a full-on encounter with him. So if we think about this, it's pretty similar to what we just said. We just said it a lot more simple than he did, right? Because we don't have PhDs in divinity, but at least I don't think we do, um, It may not seem like that, but we said pretty much the same thing, except one distinction, and I already kind of let the cat out of the bag. He points to something we didn't draw out. I want to make sure we see it, that God is the one who starts the conversation. God is the initiator in the conversation. So prayer is this personal communicative response to our knowledge of God. Well, how do we know who God is? It's because he's revealed himself to us, right? So God is doing the initiating work of moving towards his people. He is the originator of the conversation when it comes to prayer every single time, and we get to communicate and respond to him or to who we know he is. And so God moves towards his people, and I think he does it in a number of ways, and I want you to see a couple of them. Firstly, so God is the initiator. He moves towards his people. The first way I think God moves towards his people is in creation. So think about the creation account. Chapter 1, verse 27, God of uh, Genesis. God creates man and woman, and he creates them in his own what? In his own image, right. And he creates them. He just draws Adam up out of the dust of the earth, and then he creates Eve, a helper for Adam, out of his very side. So from the dust of the earth, God brings about life. He's initiating this relationship with us, firstly, by creating us. And then God initiates. He moves towards his people in the garden. In chapter 3, verse 8 of Genesis, Adam and Eve, they hear the Bible says he heard, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. So There's all this conjecture about what that means. What does it mean they heard him walking in the garden? Did they actually see him? Was he in bodily form? Well, we don't know exactly what that means, but what it definitely means is that God was moving towards them, right? That he wasn't hiding from them. And if you know the context of Genesis 3, what did Adam and Eve do? They, they sinned against God, and they were the ones, the, just a verse later, who were hiding from him. So they heard the Lord God walking in the garden, the sound of him, and they hide themselves from him. And then what does God say in verse 9? Genesis 3, verse 9, the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Right, the idea is that, where are you hiding? And so God knew what happened. Right? He, he saw it. He, he knew before it happened what was going to happen, but he still approaches them. He still moves towards his people. He says, where are you? Why, why are you hiding? God knew what happened, but still he initiates the conversation. Another place he initiates is in the Old Testament. I don't specifically mean just that part of the Bible. I'm talking about before Jesus. So in life, uh, in interacting with God, God was moving towards his people before he sent his son. Think about guys like Noah or Abraham or Moses. We don't have time to dig into their stories, but in every single one of those cases, you'll see a verse like this, and the Lord said to blank, that God was moving towards his people. He's initiating the conversation. And I don't think there's a clear evidence that God initiates or moves towards his people than in the person and work of Jesus Christ, that God moves towards us, that he, uh, 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 Philippians 2, that he was obedient to the point of death, that he took on flesh, that he came, that he came and dwelt, Among us, Colossians 1 says he's the visible image of an invisible God. Hebrews 1 says that Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature, that our God takes on flesh and somehow embodies the exact imprint of the nature and the character of God, and he comes to dwell among us, that he is Emmanuel. John 1 says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's referring to Jesus as the word. This is God moving towards us, initiating conversation with us, that he initiates conversation and a depth of relationship. All this originates with God. So in creation, in the garden, in the Old Testament, in Jesus, and then on this side of things, in his word. And he he initiates, he moves towards us in prayer and in conversation in his word. And we hit this idea in depth in our last seminar. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. These are his words to us. These are God's words to us, proof that he is moving towards us, that he is initiating a conversation with us. And so Keller says that prayer is this personal, communicative response to the knowledge of God. It's continuing a conversation that God has started through his word and by his grace. And so our responding in prayer is responding to what we know about him, right? This is a conversation that he initiates with us by his grace, and we respond to what we know about God. So what do we know about him? What do you know about God? We just learned that he moves towards us. He initiates, right? Think about characteristics and attributes of God. Who is he? He's good. He's good. He's so we respond in prayer that he's good. We respond that he's father. We respond that he's what? Holy. Holy. Righteous. Righteous. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's outside of time. He's everywhere, all at once, somehow. Like all these things, we could go on and on and on. And so prayer is our personal, like me, personally responding to the knowledge that I have of God, that he's communicated to me and initiated this conversation in creation and in the garden. And we can see it in his word and all throughout the Old Testament. And specifically, we see it in Jesus. So this should shape our praying to God us responding to who he is and how he's revealed himself to be. So prayer is talking with God, and this is who our God is. right? Despite the fact that we consistently reject him, he moves towards us in love. He's met our every need in Jesus. He's invited us to come to him. Hebrews 10 says, since then we have a great high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near To him, And the idea is, since Jesus has done away with every barrier there is to approach God, he's saying, since he's done away with that, since we have a sacrifice for our sins, a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. And what he's saying there is, since God has moved towards us, how should we respond? We should move towards him, right? We should move towards him. And this probably isn't a surprise to us, right? You're at a seminar on Sunday afternoon about learning to pray, right? It's no... New news for you that I say, hey, you should be praying. That This isn't a surprise to us. Um, but how many of us, I just want to be honest for a second, how many of us pray like we know we should? Or like we wish we did, even? Um, I've been a Christian for a little over 12 years. I've been in pastoral ministry for a little over 10. And in my experience, there's a gap for almost every single person I meet that goes like this. I know I should pray like this, and I'm not sure how to get there. Or I wish I prayed like this person. Or for some reason, I wish I was more compelled. I wish I valued prayer more. There's this gap that exists in our lives. And my question for us and where I want to start our time this afternoon is just simply considering together, why is that true? Why don't we pray? Like, what are the reasons that we don't pray? What would you say? Unbelief. Unbelief, Yeah, it's good. Time. Time. So we got, there's these practical reasons that, that kind of get in the way. Maybe you, don't, you think you don't have time. Maybe you actually don't have time. Maybe you don't know how to pray. Maybe you're like me in college. I was real zealous. I come to faith in Jesus, and I'm on my knees before the Lord. And I'm, dear God, would you fall asleep? I mean, I would wake up just like a couple minutes later and just try to keep going and nap. I mean, there's just this nap prayer, which I feel like probably honored God at some level. You know what I mean? But it wasn't efficient, that's for sure. So we're too busy. We're, it's too hard. I asked one of our staff members today, not today, this week, and I was like, hey man, what do you think gets in the way of your praying? And his first answer was unbelief. And then we kind of got around to, okay, what about some practical reasons? He was like, I think it's just hard. Like reading my Bible isn't that hard. Like we don't make time for it, but it's not hard. Like if you know how to read, you can read the Bible. You might not understand it, but he's like, I can at least check that box off, right? Get a little list and I can check through it. But praying is hard because it's like, what have I accomplished? It feels like I'm not doing anything. So I don't want to dismiss those. Most of our time moving forward from that point forward, we're going to talk about kind of the spiritual, the more theological things that I think are the root that drive those things. But I don't want to dismiss the legitimate practical barriers there are to prayer. But let me suggest something that goes deeper than that. Instead of a practical reason, I think the gap in our prayer is primarily theological. And here's, here's a quote I think that can help us. This is actually pretty heavy. He says, this is Kevin DeYoung, a pastor in Michigan. He says, if you know that you're needy and you believe that God helps the needy, then you will pray. Conversely, if we seldom pray, the problem goes much deeper than a lack of organization and follow through. The heart that never talks to God is the heart that trusts in itself and not in the power of God. He says prayerlessness, this is what I mean by it's heavy, especially when we think about the reality that there's this gap that exists in our life from how we wish we prayed and how we actually pray. He says prayerlessness is ultimately unbelief. Prayerfulness, on the other hand, is an evidence of humility and faith, which is why God loves it when we pray. And so his point is the reason we don't pray isn't because we don't have time ultimately or because we don't know how. It's because we don't think we need anything from God worth praying for, or we don't think he cares enough to answer us, or even we don't think he can do anything about it. And at the root of every single one of those is this idea of unbelief. And real quick, I just need to say this. What I'm not trying to do today is guilt you into praying more. That's not a helpful motivator. What's going to happen is you're going to go home tonight. you're going to pray real hard because you're going to think about this quote, and then maybe tomorrow morning, but then by this time next Sunday, we could be right back in this room still saying there's a gap in my life. I'm not trying to motivate you by guilt. I think that's a horrible motivator. But I think that we need to understand what is at the root of our problem isn't just I need a better plan or I need a better method or a pattern of prayer, and then I would become the great prayer I wish I would. What we need to understand is how great and how good our God is and how desperate that we are without him for every moment uh, the, one of the songs that resonates most with me in my life is, I don't even know the name of it you guys will probably know but th- there's that bridge that says it's your breath in my lungs and so I'll pour out your praise and every single time I'm reminded again how I've forgotten how much I need God even just to breathe Right? Every little moment of our lives is orchestrated, uh, held together by the word of his power, the scriptures say. And so ultimately what happens in most things in our life, we turn to ourselves and not to God, right? which reveals that in those things we don't really think we need him, or like I said, or maybe we don't want to bother him. Maybe we feel like we're going to just get on his nerves, that if we go to him with all these little things in our lives, then we won't be able to go to him when it really matters. But the Bible says the exact opposite, that God has invited us to come to him. That is isn't an impossible, and we'll get this in a bit, is impossible for us to annoy him. And the reality is our depth for our need for God goes far greater than you and I will ever know. And again, I don't want to motivate you by shame this afternoon. I think that's terrible. Um, and in just a few moments, one of our elders, uh, Mark Pickering, is going to come up, and he's going to encourage us on proper motivations for prayer. So why should we actually be praying? What are the proper motivations there? What I want to do is encourage us the way the Apostle Paul encourages the Colossian church. And he says... This. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it in thanksgiving. This word, continue steadfastly in the original language in the Greek, occurs several other times in the New Testament, but most of the time, particularly in the book of Acts, it's translated be devoted. And so Paul's encouraging the Colossian church. He's saying, hey, be devoted to prayer. Live a life where you are devoted to prayer. And we hear other places where the the scriptures say, pray without ceasing. And so we think, how do I do that? How do I do anything else if I'm praying without ceasing? I like this idea better because I can be devoted to my wife and still do other things. But my devotion to her shapes how I do those things, shapes the decisions that I make. And so we want to be devoted in our lives to prayer. And so what I want to do before we jump into the proper motivations um, for prayer is just take a moment. We're going to turn some music on. I just want us to sit and individually right hopefully this isn't gonna be weird but I don't care if it is just in a moment we would just take and just answer the question how big is the gap in my life from the way I know I should pray and where I'm actually praying how much can I can you honestly say that I'm devoted to prayer and if not just gets asked ask the Lord why why is this gap here And we remember that God initiates this and he moves towards us and he's inviting us to come to him in our failures. We can all say right now, one of your pastors included, one of your elders included, because we've been talking about this, is that there is a gap in our lives too, every single one of us. And God says, come in your weakness, come. So I just want us to spend some moment praying. I want to encourage you this way. Before we jump into, we're not going to do this at all. I'm not going to give you five steps to become a better prayer, okay? All you type A people, just not going to get that list. Today, if you haven't, if you can't tell, that's not how I'm wired, it's not working again, Dan. Okay, there's a passage of scripture, Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 19, will not be on the screen apparently, so I'm going to read it. Um, boom, all right, I'm going to read this and then I want this to fuel you praying. I'm going to give you five minutes, all right, we're just going to sit and ask the Lord because if we if our problem isn't a pattern or method and it's our heart, it's a, an unbelief issue. And where does faith come from? From God, from the power of the Holy Spirit. That we want to rest in what God has done for us in Christ. Remember that He moves towards us, that He loves us more than we could ever imagine. We're going to spend some time praying, and then we'll jump into more thinking about how we can become better prayers. I want you to hear this, and then we'll pray some. Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus. He says, for this reason. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. It's what we're asking him for. God, strengthen us. So for the next five minutes, we're going to let that verse, these verses fuel our prayer. God, strengthen me. How? So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love, what love? His love for us, not our love for him. It's not what we do. It's what he has done for us. We pray through the scriptures here. Verse 18, may have strength. Because of the love of God, we would be strengthened by him. Again, all this is what God does. If we could just enter into it to comprehend with all the saints the infinite love of God for us in Christ. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This verse says that the love of Christ, the infinite love of Christ for us surpasses knowledge, meaning there is no better thought in the world that you could possibly think than to rest in the reality that we are loved by God and Christ infinitely, more than we'll ever grab onto. So then we're gonna throw a little bit of music on in the background so we don't hear our buddy's allergies, sneezing and sniffling. And just spend a few moments praying and thinking about Ephesians 3, asking the Lord to help you to pray.
2: Father God, thank you for being a God that always wants to hear from his children. Thank you for being a God that wants to answer our prayers. Thank you most of all for giving us a Savior that's seated next to you now and interceding on our behalf. And Father, help us to uh, discern your will in our prayers and help us to uh, pray better. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, why should we pray? It's good to see all of you, good to see all the non-basketball fans out tonight, including me, not Clint, since he's so tall, I'm sure he's a basketball fan. You had to be a basketball player. Um, First reason, why should we pray? God deserves our prayers. God deserves our prayers. Um, First and foremost, prayer is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. It's, um, Clint rattled off a whole list of attributes of God. You could do a whole class on the attributes of God. Um, we should adore God for his, his omnipotent power, for his limitless grace, for his steadfast love for his people. Um, we should praise God for who he is, for what he does, for what he's doing, for what he will do. As children of God, and I've got this quote on the screen behind us, um, our good works, and prayer is a good work. Prayer is is, is in a a list of things that would be considered good works. Our natural response to the finished work of Christ is given through God's grace, And, and prayer is one of those things that we should want to do because of what Christ has done in our lives, the finished work of Christ in our lives. Um, when, we, when we go to Ephesians 2.8, I mean, that kind of says it all. Um, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that is not by works so that no one can boast. It's a gift from God. That's the key. It's a gift from God. Um, Clint had a quote by Keller on the screen. And, and he said that um, uh, that was something that um, th- th- a conversation... That God started through his grace. That prayer was a conversation that God started through his grace. And I thought that was pretty instructive. We didn't compare notes before the class on that. And so I'm taking that out of my notes that I took from the class tonight. So you get that one for free. Um, So we should praise God for who he is, but also for what he does. And I've got a quote there. I've got a psalm. I've got Psalm 9. And my eyes are too bad to see it on the back screen. I, I, I notice Bill now, he puts he's, he's, his vanity is gone. He uses his glasses on stage now. And, and I, I've always used my glasses on stage. But I, I picked this one because it kind of talks about God's creation, the majesty of God's creation. And we, we live in a part of the world um, where if, if you keep your eyes open, you get to see a lot of what God has done around us. Um, I preached on this topic uh, about a month ago in in middle georgia and, and I got to ride through the countryside early in the morning to get to get to Baxley, Georgia at about um, nine o 'clock in the morning. So I saw areas where i don 't normally get to see, and so I was able to kind of get focus on that and I was able to speak to that. Um, I, I drove from Wilmington Island to get here this afternoon so uh, and I, I rode through thunderbolt i 'm not sure that Psalm Nine applies to Thunderbolt as much. Um, but it says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I am glad and in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Now, the psalms are replete with psalms like this. About half the psalms are praise-oriented. The other half are laments and don't quite go that direction. But, but, but the ones that do praise are, are, are very full of this. And the psalms were used to, to, as, as ways to pray, pray to God. And I don't know if Clint will go towards praying the psalms when we get to the, to the house section of this, but um, that, that, that is something that we should do for what God has done in terms of his creation, his, his, his general revelation to us through what he has done. The other thing that I would note, that the reason God deserves our prayers, is that, that we are to be a thankful people. And um, thankful people dwell in the abundance of God's blessings. And you see that throughout Scripture. Um, you see that in, in Philippians, it says, um, "We were to pray with thanksgiving." Um, in First Thessalonians, "Give thanks in all circumstances." In Colossians, and you saw this one today in Bill's sermon, and I actually added this after I heard him reference this one, "Give thanks to God, Father through him." Um, and and you, you, the list could go on in places where, especially in the epistles. Where we're instructed to give thanks, and, and, and thankful people um, dwell in, in God's, God's um, um, good good blessings. That isn't to say that um, I don't want this to become like a prosperity thing, but, but um, humility is, is kind of the centerpiece of where you start with your prayer. So God deserves our prayers for who He is and what He does. Now God desires our prayers. God desires our prayers. He doesn't just deserve them, but he wants them. Um, this is something. If you saw the news last week, and, and there's something like this just about every week that they do. This is this is um, a, a little. This is only 39 seconds long, but um, a video clip of of a um, uh, military uh, um, uh, guy that um, came in from uh, deployment. He'd been gone a, a year or two. Uh, somewhere. I'm not sure where it was, but he, his, he, his son has seen him. His son does Taekwondo. This is a Taekwondo school, and they have got the kid blindfolded doing some kind of kickboxing with his instructor, and they're going to sneak the dad in. And what I want you to see is, is they, they let the boy identify the dad through his voice. And uh, hopefully the sound will be good enough that you can hear the, the kid identify the dad just through speaking, not through seeing, just through speaking. And then I want to see the reaction of the father and the son. Everyone? So, yeah. Yeah, you're supposed to have that reaction. Then they go on interviewing him and stuff. I cut a lot of that out. Um, but prayer is prayer is an act of obedience. Uh, the the point I wanted to make there. How how many folks um, that are here tonight have um, would say they have adult children or children that have left the house? Would you say? And, and how many? How many? I see some younger people, with younger kids. How many? then would have parents that they you would stay in contact with or or do you you know so so you you've got you've got a parent that you would you would you would call it, it's that's kind of an important thing that that relationship's pretty valuable to you and there're some of us that, that you know ha, have neither and, and so that, that's unfortunate but that's a very special relationship but but that reaction there that you saw that that the the Father embracing the, the Son, <clears throat> that, when, when we pray to the Father, that reaction is 10, 20, 100 seven times 70-fold to what, to what you saw on the screen there. And, and the reaction the little boy had speaking to his father, that is how we are to be when we' go to the Father in prayer. And so that's what our desire should be to, to pray. Um, you know, prayer is mentioned 650 times in the Bible. And there's over 450 references to answered prayers in the Bible. I don't know if y'all knew that. That's a little fact toy you can take home from the from the class. Um, almost every one of Paul's letters gives instruction or direction on prayer. Um, I'll just just hit a few of the highlights on Romans Romans 12: Be faithful in prayer. Um, Ephesians 6: Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. Philippians 4. In everything, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I think Clint mentioned that already. Colossians 4, devote yourselves to prayer. 1 Thessalonians, pray continually. Uh, 1 Timothy, I urge, then first, this is his first letter to Timothy. Then first of all, the requests, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving, be made for everyone. Now, um, God demonstrates how to pray to us. And I'm not going to dive deep on this because we're going to spend some time on how to pray and and we'll get into the Messiah a good bit in a little bit here. Um, But there's at least 25 examples of of, uh, Jesus praying in the Gospels and he specifically instructs his followers how to pray and and when to pray. Um, Jesus modeled both corporate prayer and private prayer. Um, Prayer is a Christ-like act. Prayer of a Christ-like act. Jesus modeled praying alone. He modeled praying with others, praying for us, um, praying regularly. Um, that, that, was, that was a very common theme. Um, he prayed in nature. He changed his his environment when he prayed. So there's some instruction to be taken from that. Um, prayed before meals. He prayed both long and short prayers, um, Good instruction there. Not every prayer needs to be long and drawn out. One of my favorite sayings is "Long uh, short prayers are good and long prayers better be. So uh, just because you pray long doesn't make it a better prayer. Short, heartfelt prayers are great, especially if you're in large groups. Um, uh, he, uh, he prayed persistent prayers. In Luke 8, there's a parable about the persistent widow. That doesn't mean nagging God will get you your prayer answer, but persistence is something that Christ said is important in our prayers. So if it matters to you, it, it will matter to God. Um, praying in spirit and truth was something that um, Christ spoke about more than once. This was with the, with the, um, a woman at the well in Samaria um, that, that he spoke about spirit and truth, and that that was a way we were to pray. Um, God defeats spiritual attack through prayer. He defeats spiritual attack through prayer. Prayer is an act of spiritual warfare. Now, Ephesians 6 tells us that physical strength will not help us overcome obstacles and challenges in the spiritual realm. Attack of of the spiritual nature is real. there There are demonic forces that attack us, and we need prayer to defeat that. Um, this uh, little man on here, he's got all the different uh, elements of the full armor of God called out on him. And we're not going to get into all the armor of God tonight or we'd be here way into the evening. But um, that uh, Ephesians 6 is, is a great passage to read if you want to study more on, on how to defeat spiritual attack. And, and um, Ephesians 6 spells out both defensive and offensive strategies. Uh, for your prayer life, how, how to uh, defeat spiritual forces and evil of evil in heavenly places. Um, a thing to point out about um, uh, spiritual uh, warfare and, and, and being a prayer warrior. Uh, one, one of the great things is you do not have to be strong. You don't have to be strong physically or, or large in stature to be a prayer warrior. You can be the most feeble person in the room, the smallest person. Um, you know, the, the example I gave down in Baxley was you don't have to be able to throw bales of hay on the wagon. That played well there because I was in the middle of a cornfield. Um, I guess here, I don't know what it would be. You, you don't have to be able to you know, th- throw a shrimp net <laughs> or something. But you don't you know, rake rake leaves or whatever, whatever the physical activity is. But you don't have to be, a, be, be strong. You can be, laying in a, you can be laying in a hospital bed and be the strongest spiritual person in the room. Um, and and th- this uh, passage in, in 1 Timothy 4 tells that godliness is of value in every way, in every way. Um, prayer helps remind us of the power we have gained through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When the Lord uh, was getting ready to go to the cross in the upper room, he told the disciples, um, you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come. There will be the counselor, the paraclete. He will, he will come, and, and uh, he, he, will, he will help you. He will guide you when I am gone. They didn't really understand that. Then when he was ready to make the ascension, right before he, he ascended into heaven, the, you know the famous line from Acts 8, you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit. And uh, the word power is is salient there, that you receive power from the Holy Spirit. We need to remember that that through the Holy Spirit we have power, and we have power through prayer. And the Holy Spirit dwells all of us who are believers, and and we we need to harness that power through our prayer. Prayer equips us, enables us to fight the good fight against the forces of darkness. Now finally, God's divine will is revealed through prayer. His, his divine will is revealed through prayer. This is tough. Um, we pray, I pray, and how do you know your prayers are going to be answered? How do you know if they're being answered? I mean, we know some of them when they're answered. You know, you pray for, you know, your your, your children to do well. You pray for things, something to go right at work, and it goes right, and you say, okay, my prayer was answered. But a lot of prayers seem to go unanswered. And, and so prayer it can be an act of discernment. But... You know, there's a tension in Scripture. There's this tension. Um, John 14 says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, Bill said today, you know, he was pretty emphatic. these, These words like all, every, any, anything, means anything. It doesn't mean some things. It means anything. That's pretty clear to me. But then James 4 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So there's this there's this tension. You know, okay, which is it? are my prayers gonna be answered or are they not gonna be answered? Well, you know, if we if we're not asking in a way that's gonna glorify God, or we don't ask for the right reasons, that, that may be a problem for, for our prayers. Um, Sometimes God's timing and our timing aren't just going to be the same thing. Um, fortunately, James, he, he, he hangs that out there on us, but he also gives us some, some advice earlier in, in his book. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. So one thing we should do is include in our prayers is a request for wisdom from God and so that we can discern his will. And, and, and Discerning God's will is probably one of the most important prayers that we can, we can offer up. Um, how am I doing on time, Clint? I'm okay? Can I do the uh, problems? Okay. Um, one, of the, one of the reasons why we have trouble getting our prayers answered is we have what, what i call prayer problems. Um, one of those things could be unrepentant sin. If you've got a recurring unrepentant sin condition in your life, be it a big sin or a small sin, you need to probably address that and, and, and deal with it before some of, you, some of your prayers are going to be answered. And that, and you just got to be kind of upfront with that. Get, getting with, with an accountability partner can be a great thing to do to, to overcome that. Um, praying for men and not God. Praying for men and not God. Matthew 6 5 says this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Pray that love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, you want to pray privately a lot of times. When you do pray publicly, you, want, you don't want to do it so that others will see you praying. No, you want to pray for God, and you don't want to pray for men, so you don't want to put on a show. This is especially true if you, if you go to prayer meetings or you're in small groups or, or in Bible studies, you don't want to put on a show there. You want to be very sincere with your prayers. Some people I know are, are really good at public prayer. You know, I kind of envy them. It's because some guys, people, they can just open their mouths and they, man, they can knock it out. And, um, and, and sometimes I, I know people that I think they know they can do that. And, and it goes on and on. And you just wonder, you know. Um, but you should pray for God. Don't pray for men. Um, another prayer problem is superstitions. Superstitions. I pray only before 5 a.m., because it is painful to be up at 5 a.m., and God will bless me for my pain that I'm going through. No, He He may reward you for for your persistence, but just because you do it the same time every day, or I, I pray the same time every night, or I, I do the same thing um, every day at the same time, or, or you know I, I've got a routine, or I hold beads in my hand when I pray, or I've got a, I've got a special room I sit in, and I, got, I burn incense, and, you know, I stand on one leg, and I don't think God cares about any of that. I think he knows this is what he cares about right here. And the rest of it is a bunch of hooey. So superstitions are a prayer problem. If you get focused on the wrong thing and not the right thing, you're going to wonder, why aren't my prayers being answered? You're not focused on on the right things. Um, lack of gratitude. We talked about having a heart of thanksgiving. If you're if you're really got a hard heart towards all the blessings you've had in your life, and 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 you can't and you don't feel like you've been blessed, that's probably an indicator that you're lacking gratitude. Because we've all been blessed in some way, and I, I know Bill and Clint have spent a lot of time in their sermons over the last six to twelve months. That that topic's come up a lot. And uh, um, so that's something to focus on. Insincerity. Insincerity. And when you pray, this is Matthew 6. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. So praying an insincere prayer, praying a prayer that's rote, um, I'm going to step on some toes. If you, pray, if you pray a meal blessing and you've prayed the same one for 25 years and you prayed as fast as you can so that you can eat, that's probably not sincere, guys. I mean, that's probably, now, it's not saying a prayer, that's probably not too good either. But, um, you know, just saying, saying the same thing over and over and over and just, just out, out, of, out of habit, that's, that's, that's insincere. Um, there, there are some traditions, and, and we're not in one here, that, that believe that saying certain prayers over and over and over in succession will get God's attention, um, and, and, and I won't get into all that. Um, the last point on prayer problems, selfishness. Selfishness. Um, Selfishness, James 4.3 addresses that. You do not receive because you ask wrongly. If, if, if you were praying that God, make my taxes come out right because I want a good vacation. You know, okay, maybe, maybe the prayer is, God, give me, give, me fav, give me financial favor so that I can bless others in need. That's probably a better prayer. Then I want to go to Disney World. Um, nothing wrong with Disney World, but that's uh, yeah, just 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 an observation. So always ask God, how are you being? How is God being glorified through my through my answered prayers? Okay, watch that a no in your prayers may actually be a not now. It may be a not now. Um, that is um, a common. I don't want to show you that yet that is a common thing, um, God's time and economy, and I, I have a hard time with this, I'm, I'm an engineer by uh, in my day job, and I do this on the weekends, um, and I do Gantt charts and, and schedules, and I like to, you know, have a, and, and Clint was great working this out, because he gave me a bullet list, and he gave me a time schedule and all, and I'm busting it, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, and, but I, I like that, but God doesn't care what, I think of my schedule for things, especially on my prayers, and you know I'm praying about a few things right now, and I've got an idea when things should happen and when they should have happened, and things that should have happened already, and uh you know, like I've got an unmarried daughter, and, you know she't you know, my wife just cringed because I said that on stage with a microphone on, but you know it's a legitimate thing, you know it's there, and now i got a deacon whispering in her ear. Uh, I'll hear about it later. Um, But you know, you you pray about time things, and and sometimes it's I will answer your prayer, but I'll do it when it's the time's right because I got other things for you right now, buddy. So hang on. Um, Don't forget the Holy Spirit in your prayers. The Holy Spirit's there to help you. He's not there not there as a hindrance. And then this, the last point I'll I'll make on this. This one's for the men in the room. Men, um, use your wives as a conduit to discern God's will in your life. Um, if you want advice on a decision you're making, ask your wife. Um, yeah, I see. I see. I see some seasoned people in the room chuckling because they know I'm right. Because <laughs> um, they will. They. They. They will help you discern God's will if you ask your wife what you think about this business decision or what do you think about this career choice. Or what do you think about this ministry partner? Um, I've listened to my wife, and she's been right, and I've not listened to her, and she's been right. And, uh, and, it's, and, and things have gone well, and things have not gone well. And, um, and so God uses your spouse. And I, I, I suppose women, they'll use your husband as, as well. Although I think men are always full of opinions, so it's hard to tell when it's us and when it's God. Um, but um, I'll, just, I'll just say that. And then, so, to summarize why pray, God deserves our prayers, he desires our prayers, he demonstrated it through Messiah, he defeats powers of of spiritual darkness, and his divine will can be discerned through it. And we will take five.
1: Communicative, that's a tough word to say. Personal, communicative response to the knowledge of God that we have. It's this conversation with God. That's how we define what is prayer. We talked a little bit about um, why don't we pray. Primarily, a theological issue. It's, it's unbelief at its root that we don't either believe that God wants us to come to Him, that He can do anything if we do come to Him. It, that he wants to do anything about what we might have to say, whether or not He hears us. Ultimately, whatever, is just at the root of it, it's this unbelief. Mark hit how, uh, sorry, the, the why we should be pray this primary, mo- primary motivations that we should have for prayer all start with the letter D, so you should be able to remember them, right? God deserves it. God desires our prayer. He demonstrated it, which we'll talk about here in a second, and the how. He defeats spiritual attack, and, and through prayer, God reveals to us His divine will. And so... Um, We're going to jump in a little bit to the how, and so this will be fun. Um, Again, as I mentioned, I already teed it up. If any type A folks in the room, you're going to be disappointed because there is no list that's going to come. That is five ways to become a better prayer. No one threw their hands up and stormed out. I was kind of hoping somebody would. That'd be a great story down the road. Hey, how'd the uh, seminar go? Well, somebody got ticked and ran out because I wasted their time, but um, I, I do think that... I'm going to provide a framework for us that's helpful as we think about how we're going to shape our prayers. So there's several ways we can answer this question, one of which would be, how do we pray? Okay, a, a lot of times what you'll see is those, anac- those acronyms, not anacronyms. That would not be what we're talking about, but an acronym, right? So you'll see, which one? Anybody use one of those before or currently employ that? Acts, Acts yeah. I would, I would say that's probably the best one, right? That's adoration, confession. Thanksgiving, right? We see some of the principles we saw in the scripture, thanksgiving and supplication. So it's a, really it's a pattern for prayer. So when you sit down and want to organize your thoughts and you've, you've carved out that time. Um, so there's a couple ways to think about prayer. There's the as you go kind of pray. You're driving, um, one-off kind of shotgun type prayers. Lord, help me with this as you walk into a meeting, whatever it might be. And then there's those set-aside times where you're intentionally devoted this block of time, 10, 5, 20, an hour, whatever it is, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. So when we want to answer this question, how do we pray, I'm thinking more along the lines of the big blocks, but I think the pattern that I'm going to offer to you will help in kind of the shotgun prayers as well. Um, so you can do the Acts method. There's all sorts of practical bits of advice that you can do, right? You can say, hey, keep lists and you know, pray this way, or there's actually prayer apps. Mark shared with me there's a prayer app that can help structure your prayer, and I've spent some time on it. It seemed pretty helpful. Check that out maybe if you think that might be helpful. Again, that's not where we're gonna go. There's an acronym called the Pray Method. Anybody? Never heard of that one before. Um, as you can tell, I don't like lists. I'm anti-list. So if there's just a list, I don't want to do it. I don't do anything that's on a list. I know there's a lot of people who are pro-lists, I'm anti-list. So the pray method, praise, repent, access to God the Father, yield to his spirit. The praise method, not to be confused with the pray method. Okay, this is praise, repentance, ask, intercede, speak the word, enjoy his presence. Again, there are acronyms that we can use that are out there. And um, before I forget, if anyone hasn't registered for the class, if you would make sure you give me your information, totally fine that you didn't register. What we'll do after the class is, I saw some people taking screenshots of quotes or whatever. We can send you all of our slides. So I can send you the resources I'm going to share. We can kind of give you that information so you don't have to write, write it down. I should have told you that in the front end. My bad. Um, but I can send that to you just so you know. So if, if you register for the class, I have your email address. If you didn't and you want that content, let me know. Um, anyways, don't get me wrong. These things can be helpful, but like we said earlier, I don't think the primary root of our prayerlessness is an issue of planning or a pattern of prayer, but, by, but it goes deeper than that, and it's primarily theological. Again, so instead of five ways to become a better prayer, here's how I'm going to answer the question, how should we be praying? Um, three encouragements, basically. Three ways for you to shape your prayers. Three ways for you to think about the time that you're going to approach God, this conversation with him. All the things, the ways that we've defined it, I'm going to give it to you this way. We're going to shape our prayers three ways. Shape them like the Trinity. I'm going to explain these. We're going to shape them like children. And we're going to shape them like Jesus taught. Okay? And so these aren't mutually exclusive. These are, um, I think the word is like a Venn diagram. Is that the circles that overlap each other? Is that right? Okay, so these are kind of like that. There's overlaps and they cross each other different places. But I think this is a helpful framework and a pattern for us to think about praying. So our first one here. Um, we are going to pray, shape um, our prayers like the Trinity, okay? So here's, here's what I mean by that. We said earlier, as we were defining what prayer is, that prayer is this personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. That means that we pray responding to a conversation that God has initiated by His Word, or in His Word, through His Word, and by His grace. So we respond to the knowledge of Him, of who we know Him to be, and He is at His essence in His core Trinity. Right, so that should shape the way that we pray to God, that God is three in one. So God is one, meaning he has eternally existed as one, but he also exists in three distinct persons that have eternally existed. And I don't pretend that this to be a seminar on the Trinity. I know that's confusing, but it's fact, okay? We know that God is three in one. What are the three persons? Spirit, Father, and Son. Spirit, Father, and Son. That's right. Usually go in different order, but you know, that's fine. <laughs> this is familiar language to us, right? Matthew 28 this this idea of Jesus, he commissions his followers. He says, go and make disciples and do what? Baptize them in the name of God. We always say baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But his point is baptize them in my name, in our name, in the Godhead, into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the reason why is because that's the name of God. His essence of being one God, three persons, that's the framework of our entire life as the disciples of Jesus, that this should shape everything about the way we follow Jesus, and that should include our prayers, right? So the fact that God is triune may seem like it's going to be more difficult, but I think it helps us to pray. So we see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. We see the Trinity at play here in one short sentence. For through him, through Jesus, we both, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Through him, through the Son, through Jesus, we Jews and Gentiles are, given, Gentiles are given access to the Father. How? In the Spirit. So there's this trinity that's working there. So Paul says that Christians are given access to the Father in two ways that work together. We're given to him by the Spirit and then through the Son. So in the same way, the entirety of the Christian life is lived this way, by the Spirit, through the Son to the Father. It's working in this triune way. And again, our prayers should be no different. So firstly, we pray by the Spirit. I want to talk about what that means a little bit. So if we're thinking about shaping our prayers by the Spirit or by the Trinity, but as children and then as the way Jesus taught, here's the first one. So by the Spirit. For simplicity's sake, the point of praying by the Spirit means that no Christian prayer happens apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. There is no prayer that we offer to God that happens apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Even if we aren't aware of that fact, as we pray, this is what's happening. That we are, as Christians, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, given to us um, by the power of the work of God, right? We are praying by the Spirit. Every short prayer, every long prayer is empowered and fueled by the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that prompts us towards prayer, he initiates that, that thought. If you've ever had a thought in my moment, an inclination in your heart to turn to God, that is the Holy Spirit prompting you. Right? So God initiates this conversation with us. And then by his, the power of his Spirit that is inside of us, it just kind of fuels that to turn our attention to him. So he prompts us to pray. He even gives us the faith to pray to God. The faith, the Holy Spirit gives us the faith to to believe, even in small part, that he's going to hear us when we pray, right? This is the Spirit who helps us even when we don't know what to pray. So look at this in Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. It's good news that we feel weak. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself, he intercedes. He goes to God for us. With groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts, that's God, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is such encouraging news for us, a group of people who are willing to sacrifice an afternoon to learn how to become better prayers, because what could be better news than the Bible saying that even when we don't know how to pray or what to pray, the Holy Spirit of God prays for us. Helps us in our weakness, prompts us to praying. So, so here's how that could work out. Someone tells you about a situation they're going through. And, we, and I'm talking about either it could be not so serious, but, but matters a lot to them, or, or all the way on the spectrum to that horrific phone call that we hope we never get, right? So if someone tells you that and they ask if they can pray, what do you do? How do you pray in those moments? Do you pray for healing, for deliverance? Do you ask God to give them endurance through that situation? Do you pray for both? Do you pray for neither, something else altogether? So we don't know, right? We feel weak in those moments. When we pray trinity-shaped prayers, the Spirit of God intercedes for us in our weakness. When we don't know what to pray, He prompts us to pray. He gives us the faith to pray that God will hear us, and He also prays for us in our weakness. This is where the Spirit comes to help. And all of our failures and our inadequacies Even in our praying to the Father, the Spirit is the one who is praying with us and for us. And the idea isn't us being so bad at prayer that God moves in in the form the person of the Holy Spirit and says, Get out of the way. Let me do this for you. That's not what he's saying, but he says, Hey, let me help you. Let me show you the way to go. Let's do this together. So praying in the Spirit means that all prayer is prompted by the Spirit and it's helped by him. So we pray by the Spirit and we pray through the Son. I read something uh, this week about the relationship that exists between Jesus and the Father. And I should have got a quote here, but basically his point was that the, the relationship between Father and Son is the most intimate, the most beautiful, and the most exquisite relationship that has ever existed or will ever exist in all of eternity. And it's this beautiful language. He's talking about how the Son and the Father interact and their mutual affection for one another. And he threw out some verses here. John 14, verse 31, Jesus, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Just, you ever known a guy or a girl who is just unashamed about their affection for someone else and it almost makes you feel awkward, how proud they are that they love someone? This is kind of the the idea you get, Jesus, I do as the Father has commanded me. Anything he says, I want to do it because I want everyone to know that I love him. John 3, verse 35, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. It's an affection for his son. Matthew 3, it on the screen, but God says, this is my beloved son. This is the son I love with whom I am well pleased. So this relationship was one of perfect and mutual love from the father to the son, from the son to the father. And I'm saying this to point out one of the more unbelievable things you will hear in your entire life. That the work of God the son is to open up that relationship to us. The most beautiful, the most intimate, the most exquisite relationship that has ever or will ever existed is what we are invited into. This is the theological concept you'll see in the scriptures that talk about being in Christ. That we are in him. And we pray by the spirit and we pray pray through the son. Listen to this. This is Jesus praying. This is one of my favorite chapters in all the scripture. John 17. Jesus praying in the garden hours before going to the cross. He's praying to God the Father for the church. For his disciples, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Now, did you hear that? The love with which the Father loves the Son is the same love that we are given from the Father in Christ. This is what Jesus is praying that we would be able to understand. It's why I started with Ephesians 3. Let's sit and, and just think about the reality that in Christ there is no height, no depth, no breadth, no width, no end to the infinite love of God for us. How? In Christ. And that's how we approach God through Jesus, by the Spirit and through the Son. John 17 means that when we come to God the Father, by the Spirit, we come through the Son. We come at the same level Jesus goes to him. That's how we that's the the invitation that we're we're given to God. It's not, hey, come like like right now, there's an open invite to any of you to come to my house at certain times. Right? My sons, there's no closed door policy for them. And that's how we're invited to come to God. We're adopted as sons and daughters of God and given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, Ephesians one says. And so shaping our prayers like the Trinity means we come to God through the Son. means we come in Jesus' name. We pray that way, don't we? In Jesus' name, amen. What does that mean? That we're not coming in our own name. That means it's not how good of a week you've had. To pray through the sun means it doesn't matter how, how good you've been, God's going to hear this prayer. Haven't we thought that and felt that before? That you've messed up, if you're on a, a track record, isn't going so well, maybe the wheels are wobbling a little bit and you want to ask God for prayer, you lack confidence because you think, well, I haven't been doing so well. We don't come in our own name. We come in the name of Jesus. Coming to the Father through the Son means we understand fresh that we never could fix it even if we tried. So we come in the name of Jesus. And it means we come as children. More on that in a second. So we let the Trinity, we let who God is, shape our prayers. And we pray by the Spirit through the Son to who? Yeah, to the Father. So Jesus says this at the beginning of what we call the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to Tackle in a second. And his disciples come to him and they and they say, Teach us to pray. And so they've been with him for a long time. They've seen him prayer, pray. Mark mentioned there's several accounts of the Messiah praying, and they've seen that. But he had just gone away to pray, and now he's come back, and they recognize something different about that time. And he said, and they say to him, Teach us to pray. And he says, When you pray, pray like this. And he starts out, Our Father. We know the Lord's prayer, our Father. In heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? So he starts out, pray this way, our Father. Real quick, he's not saying that we only pray to the Father because the Spirit and the Son are equally as divine. There are examples in the Scriptures of people praying directly to Jesus. But but this is the model that Jesus gives us to pray. Not the only model, but when his disciples, his closest followers, his closest friends in the world ask him, hey, how should I pray? His heart and his mind go to Matthew 6. And he says, Pray this way when you pray, Our Father. And so this should shape our prayers that we pray to a God who is our Father, by the Spirit through the Son to the Father. Matthew chapter 7 says this Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So two things in that real quick that it means to pray to a God who is our Father. The first thing is that he is, sorry, he is accessible. He is attentive. To see that there in the text. Jesus says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. The point is, like we said earlier, God isn't hiding from us. To pray to a father means that God isn't distant, that he isn't uninterested in us, that he isn't a God who doesn't want to be involved, but he's invited us to come to him with all of our requests. And not just once. This language here is present tense. The idea is keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. This is the language of ongoing relationship with God the Father. So our Father is accessible and then he's good. He's good. In verse 9 to 11 there, there's this idea out about if you, what about your sons? you kind of appealing to the heart of their father. When that video showed, you showed the video of a dad, my wife's weeping because she's thinking about just parenthood. Like we're in that, like just a tender heart moment of thinking about our boys and what that would be like. I'm sure that's what's going on in her heart and mind. We haven't talked about it, but... Um, this is what Jesus is doing, right? He's appealing to that tender space in, in our hearts as we think about the relationship between a dad and a, and a son or a dad and a daughter. It's this tender, intimate relationship. And he says, which one of you, if your son asked you for bread, you would give him that? Or if he asks for fish, this is common food, the common diet of their day. And he's appealing to that. And then he says this, one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture, sentences, how much more? How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? Again, the point is we should be asking. This is who our Father is. We pray prayers shaped like the Trinity, right? Our prayers to a God should be shaped like we are the Trinity or like the Trinity, but also shaped like we're children. This is what I meant by there's a little bit of overlap. We just talked about this idea of praying to a father, which inherently means that we should be praying like we're children. But I think we have the tendency to go, yeah, yeah, I get it. We've been adopted as sons. I get it. We're adopted as sons and daughters. God is our Father. We say that intellectually, but we don't get it in our heart. And our lack of prayer reveals that. Galatians chapter 4, boom, that's gone. Galatians 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons, right, children. And because your sons, God has sent the Spirit, here's the Trinity working, sent sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave but a son, and if you're a son, then an heir through God. The Bible says here in Galatians 4 and in several other places that because of the work of Christ on our behalf, we have been adopted by the Father into his family that we're no longer slaves but sons and daughters. We pray these child-shaped prayers, that we are children of God. That's how we should approach our prayer. We think about praying these Trinitarian-shaped prayers, but also that we come to God as children, and not some less-than-stepchild version of children, but we're heirs, right, to the inheritance of God. Romans 8 says we're co-heirs with Christ, and the result is we belong to him. Like I mentioned earlier, we're given unrestricted access to God. No closed-door times. But freely come to him and ask as much as we want. This word Abba in the original Hebrew, it's, it's a word that little Jewish children would refer to their dad as. Daddy, Abba, Father. Now, I don't even like that language, praying that way. Maybe I should because the scriptures pray that. But that's the, the relationship that we've been invo- invited into. It's informal. It's familial. It's infinite or intimate. It's warm. And so our prayers should be shaped this way, like we are children of God. Here's a quick example. Um, every time I communicate publicly, I have to mention Zeke um, because that's kind of how it works. I need my, old, my younger son, Brooks, to get older so that we can have some more material. I know you guys are tired of that. Um, my three-year-old son, Emmy, who's his favorite person in the world? Paul. No. Paul. You, yeah. <laughs> she was being... My wife is the center of his world, and there is no close second, okay? Second would be my, her dad, and then somewhere down the line would be me. But the center of his world is absolutely his mom, and it is evident about everything he does. He is constantly calling out for her, right? You might have experienced this, but he's just constantly, Mommy... Mommy all the time, okay? When he needs something, Mommy, the second he wakes up in the morning, Mommy, when he can't go to bed at night, Mommy, when we're on a road trip and he is trying not to fall asleep and he's bored and doesn't know what to say, Mommy, yeah, baby, I love you. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't even know what to say. Like, he's just constantly calling out for it. Everything he does is, is filtered through this, and, and he doesn't think twice about annoying her, right? Just constantly, just calling out for her, just going, he, he, he identifies That's my mom. When I need something, she's there for me. She's attentive. She's with me. Like it's this relationship. It's almost the, if there were, Abba means father, but if there was the other side of her. This is what he's doing, calling out for his mom because he knows she's there for him. He can count on her. He can rely on her. Right? And this is what it means to belong to a family. We belong to the family of God to pray child-shaped prayers. Relationship, God's invited us to come that way. This is how our prayer should be shaped. God, wake up in the morning, the first thing, before we think of anything else, Daddy. Every time you need something, even when you don't need something, when you're bored, when you're trying to fall asleep, when you don't know what to say, when you don't know what to pray, our inclination of our heart is to run to Him because we know He's there. He's for us, He's with us, He's attentive, He listens. Right? And what's even better, is that we can't get on his nerves because I wish I could say that it's not annoying when he says that to her. It is, right? And then she gets that way too. I mean, it's it's cute. We love it, but it just gets old. You're like, buddy, shush, every once in a while, right? (laughs) And the good news of the gospel and the scriptures is that God never once has that thought about you, ever. Right? Uh, Mark mentioned it. There's a story in, in Luke 18 that Jesus is telling when he says, hey, you pray like this. He tells a story about a persistent widow, this lady who comes and pesters and beats down this judge. He tells the story and he says, that's how you should pray to God, he's never going to get tired of you. Like even even if an evil judge would would give in this way, this is how you should pray to God. Not only that, God wants us to ask for him. He wants us to pray. Remember what we we read in Matthew 7, ask, it'll be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Our prayers should be shaped like we are children of God should mark the way we pray every time you're at a stoplight and you think how should I pray right now what do I pray I'm praying like a child dad i need this or i don't need, i feel great right now praise god for this moment whatever it is wherever your heart is you just go to him like children and lastly our prayer should be shaped to god the way that jesus taught us Several places in the scriptures um, where the Messiah prays, and we can look at how he prays. Again, like I said, John 17, my favorite chapter in all scripture. I just spent so much time thinking about how Jesus prays to the Father for us hours before going to the cross. I just spent so much time minding the scriptures, and I plan to spend the rest of my life there in that chapter. But um, where I want us to go is the Lord's Prayer. So instead of an acronym... um, acts or whatever, I want, to, I want to present this model to you. This is the pattern of prayer that I would commend to you. I just want to read this, and then I literally don't have much else other than kind of showing you how this can fuel your prayers. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then we know the rest of it, right? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's not in the scriptures. We added that. I'm not sure where. Should have done some research on that. Anybody know where that came from? Okay, so we added it in. We compiled it. Um, so the idea here, well, let's just do this. How many of you have prayed that before? You're familiar with that. You prayed it. Leave your hand up. How many of you have actually prayed it? Not just said it. Maybe you don't even know what I mean. Here's here's what I mean. Where does the prayer start? If this is a model of prayer, what's the first thing? Hey, when you pray, they say, Teach us to pray. Messiah, teacher. Show us how to commune with the Father the way you commune with the Father. He says, Okay, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father. And again, this goes back to the children piece. This goes back to praying this trinity-shaped piece. This is what I meant, the Venn diagram overlap. But I love this idea that every time we pray, we start here. No matter what you're praying, you turn to God and you say, Father. And so if someone comes to you and said, hey, man, this is going on in my life. Will you pray for me? Even now, we do this without realizing. We say, Father, help them in this. Father, we don't know what's going on. We're not just addressing God in that. We're making a theological statement that God is our Father, that we are praying by the Spirit through the Son to him. Right? that he has done something for us, that he has accomplished something for us in Christ, that we have been invited to come to him and that he is our father. Right? So we, we pray this thing. This is every time we pray, if we start with father, we are reorienting our heart around what the gospel is, reorienting our heart around the truth of the gospel, that we've been invited to come to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. We come to him as a child. We come in the name of Jesus again, which means that your prayers aren't affected by how good you've been doing lately, not negatively by how bad you've been doing lately. That's so crazy to me. From there, we pray the Lord's Prayer. So we start there just as a pattern, a model, our Father. And then he says this, hallowed be thy name, be your name. Hallowed is not a word we use very often. What it means kind of literally is to make holy, right, to be presented as right. And so when we pray that, the idea is, God, would your name be esteemed, treasured, valued, revered, made holy above any and everything else? And, and we pray it, we start, one of the things I will come into is praying in what's called concentrant circles. So you start with praying about your own heart. God, will you make your name holy in my life? Above everything else, would I value and esteem and treasure? This is how we pray the Lord's Prayer. God, would you make your name holy, that you would be more valued to me than anything else? And then I move out of those circles, and I start praying for my wife, and I'm praying for my sons. The next kind of circle that God has given me and planted my life in the relationships and the level of intimacy, and I'm praying, I'm asking God, would your name be made holy and esteemed and valued and treasured above all else in in my wife's life and in her heart and my boys, God? Would you save them? Would they esteem and value? And again, I'm just showing you how to draw you into actually not reading the Lord's Prayer, but praying the Lord's Prayer and using it as a a pattern and a model for how it can shape our prayers. And we roll out from there. These are friends and family and our church and in our city and in our nation and in our world, God. Would you be esteemed above all else? Hallowed be your name. He says, your kingdom come. We're praying the same way. God, would your kingdom come? Right? We, we work it out like that from centuries. will your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? So the prayers, and, I, and just for the sake of time, we'll kind of start to turn it home. But the prayers start in those circles, and they work their way out. And we use the Lord's Prayer as a model for it. But it starts, you notice how it starts spiritual. None of that is the physical, which doesn't mean that God doesn't care about the physical or the circumstantial. He does, and we'll see it. Jesus says, hey, pray this way, but you start there because what we have a tendency to do is to pray about things that don't have eternal significance, even if they're really important on this side of things, don't we? So say right now, if I were to go, hey, what, what can we pray for? Where's your mind and your heart going? Well, Who's sick? What circumstantial need do I have? A prayer list at church. The things that we tend to spend our time praying for aren't bad things. They're good things, but they don't have eternal significance, eternal value. They're important. Don't get me wrong. Man, we really want so-and-so to get into Georgia. It's a good thing to pray for. God cares about those things. He, he values those things, right? Notice I said Georgia go dogs. <laughs> Got to squeak that in every time we can because Pastor Bill won't let us do it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, but, the, but, but Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way. And it starts spiritual. It starts there. And then it transitions. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. What are we saying there? God, be my provider. Today, will you help me? Will you be my provision? Will you help me see that you have given me enough? Or if in the places in your life where you don't have what you need, you genuinely ask God to provide for you. Give us today's bread. Most of our prayers about circumstances are, God, give us bread for tomorrow. Help us build these bigger barns. Help us be comfortable and find security in things outside of you, which actually circumvents the first part of the prayer, right, that, that his name would be most treasured in our hearts. And so we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And that rolls itself out from my life to my family, to my friends, to my church, to my city, and on and on. Forgive us our debts. Again, we circle back to the gospel, Lord, help us. Forgive me where I sin, we're confessing sin. This is some of the Acts model, right? We get to see, we get confession here. As we also have forgiven our debtors. That's a tough part to pray, right? People who've wronged us. Who do we have to forgive? People who've wronged us. But Jesus says, pray this way. So forgive us our debts, forgive our debtors. This is the idea of praying for our vertical relationship, our relationship to God to be closer. And then forgive our debtors is, praying about our horizontal relationships, the people around us, and see how the Lord's Prayer can be a pattern, can be a model for us to pray. And then he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're asking for God to help us, that, God, that prayer defeats spiritual attack, the real and valuable things. And then if we throw that on the end, it's not in Matthew 6, but for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we pray in Jesus' name. I think this is how I would commend you to pray, that, that it would start with our Father. We would reorient our heart and our mind around the gospel, who he is and what he's done for us, that we are invited to come to God. We use the things he said as a pattern, as a model for us to pray. And then we pray in Jesus' name just to remember again, because probably in the time we've prayed, we've forgotten already how good we have it in Jesus. Just as we're asking him. Right? We, we so easily move, right? prone to wander, aren't we? We need to be brought back into that the goodness and the grace of God toward us in Jesus. We pray trinity-shaped prayers by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. He helps us. He fuels us and prompts us towards God through the Son to our Father. Like children, we pray the Lord's Prayer. So. We're going to transition here a second be done, get you home. i got a couple resources. I will put these on that link. Make sure we have your contact information if we don't. Three books, I would encourage you if you want to go deeper. Because again, I didn't give you any practical things. I didn't recommend any apps or any prayer lists or any kind of thing like that. This is a really good one. John O, can't pronounce his last name. I read through it this last week. I think it's really helpful. This is more about corporate prayer, so how prayer shapes the church, how we pray about it in a very real way. Um, this was actually my wife's book that... She, it was really good for her. I read through it, too. Stole it from her. You didn't even know I had this, probably. Um, the best book I've read, ever read about devotional prayer, about a life of just, man, this, it just I was felt so compelled towards going to God after reading this. This is A Praying Life by Paul Miller, really good. You can come up and look at these. Again, I'll send you the Amazon links. And then the, the Tim Keller book on prayer, it's uh, called Prayer. Experiencing all and intimacy with God. That's where those quotes came from, where he defines what prayer is. Um, and again, I'll send these to you. Any questions you have, we can talk about it after. Um, I am going to hand it over to Robbie, who is a deacon, and heads up our prayer team. If you want specific and practical ways to get involved, he's going to share that with you. And then he'll pray and close us up.
0: In prayer, Ephesians, Paul says, "Be on alert and always keep on praying for all, all the saints with all kinds of prayers and requests." So, particularly that last one is where we try to hit home on the prayer team. Um, we meet uh, every week, um, second service, over in the Gardens Chapel um, from eleven to eleven forty-five, and um, we try to do that—that that praying for the pray pray for all the saints with all kinds of prayers and requests—to so lift up this local church. Um, so we, we invite you to, to join us. Um, but, but actually, if you're a member at CBC here, we, I consider that every, every member is, is actually part of the prayer team. You, you're, you are already a part of the prayer team and we, we encourage you to, to be joining us and you, you, you're called from Scripture to, to be praying for your leaders, to be praying for your, your pastors and elders, to be praying for the needs of this body, to be praying for one another, to be praying for the marriages, in our, in our church, to we'll be praying for the children, to be praying for CBC kids, to we'll be praying for the missionaries that CBC supports, to be praying for the ministries, like CBC, and particularly the elders have asked us to pray for, you know, the, this neighborhood and the planting of churches and the, and the being ascending church, so we, we ask you to join us, um, uh, you know, if you can, I know that all the people here are probably involved in, in different ministries at CBC, but if you don't, or if you're able to, join us. Um, we're, we're praying that more people would join uh, our prayer team. That's 11 uh, to 1145 on second service. Um, as a deacon, I we're called to kind of serve the needs uh, of the local church, and we try to do that, um, to be faithful and serve there. Um, but I think a secondary kind of role of a deacon is to kind of model and encourage the saints toward good works. So I wanna encourage you tonight. I, I thank, I thank uh, Clint for doing this kind of thing of just uh, of a, uh, a focused time of emphasizing prayer. I, I, I encourage you, let, let CBC be a people of prayer, people devoted to prayer. Um, I can't think of a more valuable way for us to be in kingdom ministry than to be on our knees and to be praying faithfully. Um, uh, It's a a wonderful and amazing reality and pattern of scripture that we see when God's people um, pray, God God sovereignly, mysteriously uses the prayers of his people in directing his will. It's it's an amazing reality um, that we can be a part of. James 5.16, I want to encourage you with this verse. It says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. These are, these are powerful truths for us as believers. And so um, I wanna, I'm just encouraging the saints towards prayer. Um, I really appreciate um, Bill saying it this morning in the sermon, and, and Clint kind of reminded us again about there's no divide. There shouldn't be a divide between the sac- sacred and the s- secular. Like It is just important um, that we're praying for the Costa Rica trip that the, you're you're going on that trip, or you're you're, you're the, the, we're praying for the missionaries that we support. Then 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 that they're going. It's great that they're God. You know, each one of us is called to different things, and some people are called to go to do mission work, and some people are called to, called to go to Costa Rica. But the Scripture calls us all to pray. So that is just as important of a ministry for us to be doing. So uh, I, I invite you to join us, but certainly just I invite you to just do what what Scripture calls you as the people of God to do, which is to pray. So join, join me now as we just close in prayer. Dear Lord, what a, what a privilege um, to approach you as our Father. Um, um, I thank you for the SPECS um, ministry and just kind of emphasizing the different um, important parts of being a believer, that I pray that you'd lead us as individuals, as families, as community groups and corporately, to be growing in the different areas of specs, and we we think tonight of prayer. Lord, um, help us to be devoted to prayer. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. Help us to pray not our will, but your will be done. Help us to say, let us decrease so that you might increase, Lord. Protect this church. Lead this church. I pray for the pastors and elders. Just guide them by by your Holy Spirit. Um, Let them um, not trust in themselves, but to be trusting in you. Protect their marriages. Help us as a church to be faithfully praying for them. We pray for the missionaries that we support as a church, Lord. Protect them. Um, fill them with your spirit. Um, help them to be growing in faith. Protect them from spiritual attack. Lord, um, lead the ministries at CBC. I pray for the next generation, Lord, that they would come to know you. They would, they would, You would put your covenant love upon them and call them to yourself, Lord. Protect marriages in this church. Um, let us... Uh, and I, I pray most of all, Lord, be the shepherd of CBC. Let, a, let, a, let, let us decrease so that you might be glorified here in Savannah to the ends of the earth, Lord. So lead us this week to pray. Lead us to be motiv- motivated and encouraging one another to praying and to be growing in faith. And that you be glorified. We pray so in Jesus' name.